Hello and welcome to Parently, where we tap into the unique experiences and perspectives of parents to celebrate the joys and honor the challenges of child rearing. With new interviews each week, this is a podcast for moms and dads seeking an empowering community and a little levity. Now here's your host, Kelsey Higgins. Hello and welcome to Parently. Today I am joined by the fabulous Alyssa Goldwater. Alyssa is a CEO, wife, mom, and the digital influencer behind the lifestyle brand, A Glass of Goldwater. Merging motherhood with humor, A Glass of Goldwater has become a community and support network of more than 60,000 women across the world. By having hard conversations about difficult topics such as mental health, body confidence, and the unspoken struggles of motherhood, Alyssa not only keeps people laughing with her sarcastic take on life, but also helps women feel a part of something bigger, that they aren't alone in this crazy world. Now, if Alyssa isn't the perfect apparently guest, I just don't know who is. Welcome to the show, Alyssa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. Let's start with uh, a little background, just in case any of the listeners aren't familiar with you. Um, tell me about yourself. Where, where'd you grow up? Where do you live now? Sure. So I was raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I went to Indiana University, go Hoosiers, and <laughs> now I live in Chicago, Illinois with my family. Awesome. And who makes up your family? Uh, my husband, Adam. My two kids, Miri and Ozzy. Miri is six. Ozzy's five. They are 12 months apart. And um, yes, that was crazy. So <laughs> yeah. Do do people always comment on that? If, if you say they're 12 months apart, I mean, do you get comments immediately like, whoa, that was good. It was crazier when they were younger. Um, but still, I mean, they're thick as thieves and could basically be twins. So yeah, I definitely still get comments, but it was much worse when they were younger. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine. Uh, okay. We have a topic that I, I want to spend a lot of time on today, but before we kind of dive into that, I would love to know how did you find yourself in your career today you know, as a CEO and a digital influencer? Was that planned? Did you fall into it? I mean, you obviously didn't study that in college, right? Yeah. So, I mean, apparently now they actually have like a social media management um, major, but they definitely didn't have that when I was in college. Interesting. Um, so... When my daughter was born um, in 2016, I was experiencing a lot of postpartum depression and I struggle with um, mental health in general. So that just exacerbated it. Mm. Um, and a lot of friends had babies around the same time. And from conversations with them, I sort of realized that, you know, everybody was having a hard time, but nobody was really talking about it. Mm. Um so I just sort of felt a need for someone to be like the real presence of motherhood um, in a more public way so that people could feel like, you know, if Alyssa can do it, I can also do it. And if Alyssa's having a hard time, like, it's okay if I'm having a hard time too. Um, 
So I just sort of started very casually and then, you know, brands started reaching out um, and it just sort of grew from there. And I did it part time um, for a while. And just about three years ago, um, I left my job and started doing this full time, which has been amazing. So that is awesome. Congratulations, first off, on, on you. your success. And cheers to you for doing something that requires you to be vulnerable and put yourself out there. And I'm sure open yourself up to plenty of opinions um, and and the like of everything that comes along with it. Yeah, you know, everyone has an opinion, um, but I'm sort of in this place in my life where I literally just don't care. <laughs> I love it. I It's a really happy place to be, honestly, um, and I just don't care, um, and I hope that everybody can get there. You know, I know whose opinions matter to me, and it's definitely not the people on the internet, um, so... Mm-hmm. No, I do value my followers and I value their opinions for sure. But when someone just comes at me with, you know, criticism um, for no reason, you know, that's a problem with them, not with me. Absolutely. Um, and I just don't care. So um, it's a magical place, really. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I could probably talk to you about that um, for the entire episode, but oh, I could go on. I could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is not why I reached out to you. So, Alyssa, I reached out to you because you have firsthand experience with type 1 diabetes. Actually, and not just with your son, but I think your husband as well, right? Is he yeah. type 1? Yeah. So, you have you have a um firsthand experience. It's a topic that my listeners have been curious about and and pinging me to do an episode on. So after doing some research, it just, I, I love your approach. I, I love what you have to say about it. And so I wanted to have a conversation with you to talk about type 1 diabetes. Amazing. We'll go back a little bit. So your husband has type 1 diabetes that he obviously was aware of when you two got together or was that yeah. something that, okay. No, he was diagnosed when he was 10. Um, so I definitely knew about that when we got together, before we got married. It He has it totally under control um, and his levels are basically that of someone who doesn't have diabetes. I mean, he'll have it forever, but it's very under control and was like a total non-issue for me going into our marriage. So which is a very different experience from when your child develops it, correct? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the discovery. How did you find out that your son how did you find out about his diagnosis? So technically, listen, I'm no medical professional and I should like say that. I like to always say that. Um People should always, you know, consult their medical professional sure. um, if they have any real questions or concerns about their own child. Um, yep. So I just really speak from my own experience. Mm-hmm. But um, technically, diabe- type 1 diabetes is not hereditary. Um, there's only about a 5% chance that it can be passed down from parent to child, but mm-hmm. it is more common than 
you would think it would be um, for being something that's not considered hereditary. So it is an autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does have that genetic component. It's a little confusing, but um, so I knew my husband's um, symptoms when he was diagnosed and I'm always just very vigilant. Um, you know, I was worried about my kids getting type 2 diabetes. So, you know, we really didn't give them much sugar. Um, And, you know, if you're going to get type 1 diabetes, you're born with it. And it just decides at a certain time to present itself, meaning that like essentially your pancreas just decides to um, die (laughs) and stop working. at different points in everybody's lives. You know, some people at the age of 40 are being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which is why it's typically not referred to as juvenile diabetes anymore because it's being diagnosed at all different ages, even though it's more common to be diagnosed in childhood. Sure. Um, So over the span of a couple of weeks last year in 2021, um, right after Ozzy, my son, who is my um, child with diabetes, turned four, I noticed that all of a sudden he was extremely thirsty, um, drinking in excess of like 80 ounces of water a day, which is a ton for such a small child. And he's like a little thing. So it was a lot. You know, I was having to pull over on the side of the road for him to pee out my van. Um, (laughs) Wow. um, He was very tired. I always sort of thought that he was just a car napper. um, But after being diagnosed, I can see that like he was just tired because his blood sugar was so high. Um, And then he started wetting the bed. So after this going, after this went on for you know, a few weeks, I just said to my husband, you know, I'm just going to take him in. I really didn't think, I thought something was wrong, but I really didn't think it was going to be diabetes. Um, And, you know, of course I could have tested his sugar at home, but just in case it was not what we wanted it to be, I wanted to be at the pediatrician. So I took him in and they tested his urine and they tested his blood sugar And he had protein in his urine and sugar, um, which is not good. And his blood sugar was 538. Um, And a typical blood sugar is between like 80 and 200. Wow. So, um, yeah, it was pretty high. They sent us to the emergency room. Um, Thankfully, I am, you know, I like to joke and say that – Sometimes being a helicopter mom pays off. Um, (laughs) Shout out to all those helicopter moms. Yeah. So um, I caught it um, fairly early on in his symptoms um, because a lot of kids don't get diagnosed until they are very, very sick Mm -hmm. um, with something called diabetic ketoacidosis. which is where, you know, you're th- you're throwing up and you're lethargic and your blood sugar has just been so high for so long and nobody knew. Um, and that is a very dangerous situation. If it's not taken care of, you know, God forbid you can die. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's us- that's when a lot of kids get diagnosed because they're very sick and then their parents decide that they need to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um 
So I feel fortunate because I knew what to look for. Um, and we were able to catch it pretty early. Um, but yeah, that was crazy. So. That is wild. What does that emergency room experience look like? Are they are they keeping an eye on him until everything gets under control or, or what? how long were you there? So it's a little crazy um, because you – you know, the kids that go in with DKA or diabetic ketoacidosis go in and are very, very sick. In our situation, Ozzy was fine. Um, you know, he definitely was tired because his blood sugar was high, but he didn't feel sick. So essentially, we took him into the hospital and then they started poking him and, you know, doing all the IV stuff. And then he didn't feel good. Um, so I kind of felt bad about that, but, you know, they test, they do a lot of tests to decide if they need to be on, you know, get insulin through an IV, you know, if their blood sugar is so high and not all hospitals are equipped for that. So, you know, if you're in DKA, you might have to be transferred to a hospital that has, you know, a pediatric ICU where they can do that for you. Um, thankfully, we didn't have to. So we were in the ER for a few hours just waiting on test results and getting cleared of those like diabetic ketoacidosis levels. And then we were admitted to the children's floor. And most families will stay there for three to four days because, the parents have to be trained to take care of their child now. So the hospital doesn't release you until the parents are confident that they can care for their child because it's now testing their blood sugar, you know, upwards of six times a day, um, maybe more. And at first it's giving insulin through like a shot. Um, mm. And if you don't have any diabetes background whatsoever. If you have diabetes background, it's overwhelming. If you don't have a diabetes background, it's scary, overwhelming. Um, and essentially, you're learning how to function as your child's pancreas. Um, so they tend to keep you longer, even if the child's levels become stable, you know, within a few hours, which is what the hope is. We were there overnight, 24 hours, because my husband, you know, has had di diabetes since he was 10, and I was familiar enough to where we were comfortable taking him home and caring for him ourselves. So yeah, the hospital stay is incredibly overwhelming. They throw so much information at you, and really the only way to learn is by doing and it's it feels safer to you know do things that will keep your child alive under the care of you know doctors and nurses for a few days before they send you home typically mm -hmm. right i mean i would presume a big a big piece of that struggle is you haven't even had the time to mentally process the the diagnosis yet and you're immediately into you know, solution mode. And so it just seems like a lot that, that you would need to be processing as a parent at once. Um, yeah, it's a lot. I definitely didn't, you know, I didn't have time to cry and be sad that, mm. you know, my child's life is 
until they find a cure is essentially completely changed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard. You know, diabetes is not just giving a certain dose of a medication every single day and it's managed that way. It's a crapshoot every single day. Even if your child eats the exact same thing every day at pretty much the exact same time, their blood sugar levels are never the same no matter what. And you're always going to have to be dealing with something. And there's there's like a ton of external factors. I had a listener actually message me, and I was, I was going to bring this up uh, a little bit later, but now that we're talking about it, she messaged me about uh, like a sunburn. A sunburn can impact the blood sugars and just make them go crazy. And it's it's like completely out of control again. Everything, you know, anything from a cold to, you know, my son had to get stitches last summer um, and his blood sugar was high for like two days. Um, when the body is working to fight off something, um, anything, you know, from a sunburn to strep throat to anything, the blood sugar is going to be out of whack. And as the parent, you are responsible for that. And it's never going to be a perfect line. It's always going to be, you know, we're a year in and we have, if you look at the graph of his blood sugar, it's like mountains. Mm. Um, up, down, up, down. And sometimes we'll get a line, um, which is beautiful. (laughs) Um, But you have to give yourself grace and you just have to know that this is what it's going to be like. So what's your advice for for managing through those peaks? Just monitoring and I I mean, how do you do it? So I mean, to compensate for a high blood sugar, you give insulin. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's much harder when your child is first diagnosed because you're manually giving the insulin through a shot um, until your doctor and insurance approve an insulin pump, which automatically gives the insulin. And a lot of times you're managing that with finger pokes um, to test their blood sugar before your doctor and insurance approve another device called a continuous glucose monitor. Like a popular brand of that is called Dexcom, Mm -hmm. um, which is what we have. So once you have those two devices, an insulin pump and a continuous glucose monitor, things are so much easier. What's the purpose of that delay and approval process? So a lot of doctors want you to know how to use the manual devices in case technology doesn't work Uh, um, for some reason. So they'll make you wait. Um, We thankfully only had to wait a couple of months before everything was approved through the doctor and insurance. This is probably also in part because we are experienced with diabetes. And my husband actually had an extra... Dexcom um, at our house. So the day we got home from the hospital, we actually put the continuous glucose monitor on my son. So Um, we were never like pricking his finger all the time unless the sensor dies, which it does because it's technology. Um, But we were very lucky in that way. A lot of people have to wait much, much longer than we do or than we did. So we were very lucky for that. Now you've mentioned insulin, you've mentioned the 
the monitoring piece, Dexcon or whatever, however, or finger pricking. Are there other supplies, um, medications involved, or is that is that really all there is? And I don't so, I don't say that flippantly, like that's all. I, I just mean no, no, <laughs> there are other things. I know what you mean. Um, so we have a lot of stuff. <laughs> we have like a whole closet in my house dedicated to diabetes supplies. You know, we take as much as the insurance company will give us um, and stockpile it essentially because you never know what's going to happen. We are good for a year. If, you know, God forbid something were to happen, we've got extra supplies. It's the insulin pod, like for the pump. It's the Dexcom sensors um, and transmitters. So you change those every few days to a couple of weeks, depending on the brand you have. And, you know, my husband only has to change his insulin pump every like 10 days, but my son's is only approved for every three days. So they change it on different levels. We've got this thing called SensiCare, which is adhesive remover to help get the, you know, get the devices off of the body, which can be really difficult. We have, you know, alcohol wipes, we've got extra needles, we've got extra insulin pens, um, we've got glucose tablets in case of low blood sugars. It's just a lot of, you know, like medical stuff. Oh, and then I've got, you know, the cool stickers and over patches mm-hmm. that go over everything because my kid has to look cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so it's not so many different things really, but it's a lot of the things. Yeah. You know, you just you mentioned something that made me curious. Does Ozzy have any any friends or does he know any other kids that that have type 1 diabetes? You know, so it's pretty cool to have a dad that has the exact same thing as you. Yeah. Um, but we haven't really met I'll contribute it somewhat to COVID and somewhat to just, you know, general life stuff, but he doesn't have any other friends who have diabetes, but all of his friends think he's very cool with his devices. Um, And he's got a really cool like fanny pack to hold his devices. We use, um, we actually use an iPhone to control his um, insulin pump. So his friends think he's very cool because he's a five-year-old with a phone. And I think he's cool. (laughs) He's a pretty cool guy. And, you know, right away in the hospital, we told him that insulin gives him superpowers and he really thinks he's a superhero. And I think he is too. Um, You know, he's had to grow up in a lot of ways over the last year. And this was a very immature little boy. Um, Mm -hmm. And just the things that he does without even thinking about them now, you know, like he will not eat anything before he comes and shows it to a grown up and asks if it's okay. Things like that. He also was diagnosed with celiac in August. Oh man. Um, It's the same gene, celiac and diabetes. Is it? Yeah. So they test, um, 
all newly diagnosed diabetics um, for celiac. And he was diagnosed. He had an endoscopy. So, you know, now it's also asking if this has gluten in it. If it doesn't, he just had to grow up in a lot of ways. And he really, really is my superhero. Oh, what a sweetie. He is very, very sweet. Very sweet. Has the has the celiac part impacted? I mean, I mean how strict is your household? Is it like gluten-free in your home? So my husband is actually maybe celiac now too. Um, wow. So we are pretty much gluten-free. Um, I took my daughter who is, you know, non-diabetic, not gluten-free on a girl's trip and we just – I was like, now's your time to eat all the gluten you want. (laughs) (laughs) So we just ate gluten the whole time. Um, But yeah, we're pretty much gluten-free. My son is a pretty picky eater anyway. So if I'm buying something that I know he's not going to want anyway, I don't mind buying gluten then. But, you know, we don't really keep bread in the house or like buns or certain crackers anymore because I just don't think it's fair to eat that in front of him, you know? Oh, yeah. When he gets older, you know, it might be different, but he's only five. It's like not so nice to do that. Right, right. In what other ways has either celiac or type 1 diabetes altered your family's lifestyle in general? I mean, are there things that you do differently as a family or as individuals in Ozzy's family? Well, I am very thankful that I have a flexible job. Um, I left my job in order to do, you know, to be a social media influencer full-time so that I would have free reign to drive carpool and, you know, take my kids to appointments if I need to. But now with the diabetes, I need to be available at the drop of a hat. Um, You know, the school has it super under control and I'm in touch with his teachers, you know, all day um, if they need me. You know, in case of emergency, I really just need, I need to be available to him. Yeah. And if I'm not going to be available, it's about, you know, my husband works full time. So it's about setting up things in play to always make sure that he's managed and taken care of, you know, if it's going to, we call it pod night. So if we're going to have to change his insulin pod every three nights, we've got a plan to be home or do it before we go out and not let it expire during the day at school, (laughs) which has happened before. Um, You know, it's fine. It has you know, extra time to account if something like that happens, but like I've got to go in and change it. You know, we bring food for him everywhere we go, A, because he's so picky and B, because he really can't eat so much. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, it's mostly because he's picky. People, (laughs) (laughs) like it's mostly, he's a brand loyalist. Um, You know, he's got that one brand of gluten-free chicken nuggets that he likes. Um, That we just bring everywhere with us. Um, But, you know, it's also like when we go on vacation, it's packing all of the diabetes stuff for not only the time that we're going to be there, but also the extra time, like just in case something happens. And, you know, we're packing for two diabetics, not one. It affects every single part of our lives. And it's become normal to us now. But um, 
if someone only had, if someone didn't have type one diabetes or celiac and they just had a, you know, quote unquote normal five and six year old, they, it would be very easy for them to leave the house because their kids are older, you know, you're not worrying about like the diapers and stuff, but with the diabetes, it's a whole other level of what you're worrying about. Sure. You know, I have to stay at all the birthday parties and bring his own, you know, substitute for the cake because, you know, if they're running around at a birthday party, I need to be there in case his blood sugar goes low because of activity. Mm -hmm. Um, And I need to be there to give him the insulin for you know, his gluten-free Twinkie that he's going to have instead of the birthday cake. Oh, um, yeah. A long-winded way to answer your question is that it affects every single part of our lives. Um, and we just sort of roll with it. My first question, does it feel quote-unquote normal yet? Or are, do you feel like you're still kind of figuring out your new normal? It's normal. It definitely gets more normal and easier you know, for anybody listening who's very newly diagnosed, um, after you get, you know, a CGM and a, an insulin pod um, or pump, it gets much easier and more streamlined after that. You know, like I said, every day is a crapshoot um, just based on his blood sugar. You know, we'll go through like, We'll go through a couple of weeks at a time where his blood sugar is just high the whole two weeks, pretty much. And so that's stressful. But again, like that's part of the norm of caring for someone with diabetes. Um, So I would say we found our new normal, but it's a little bit hectic at all times. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Operating on on all cylinders. Which is also motherhood. So... (laughs) Um, Alyssa, you mentioned school and I, I was just putting myself like, okay, if I was a teacher, that would make me extremely anxious to be responsible for this little boy's blood sugar. How did all of that training, I, I mean, I, what did that look like? How does the school support you? I, I hope that you never felt like a burden, but I can presume that some families go through that. What was that like for you? So we go to a private school, so it is different than someone who sends to public school. Sure. Um, And I can't speak to what really goes on in public schools because I just don't know. Um, But last year, so he already had his teacher when he was diagnosed, and it happened to be that she is just one of the most amazing women that I've ever met. Oh. Um, she was just the whole school, really. It's just a very caring, warm, you know, familial place. And it was just all hands on deck. I was there a lot, um, especially at first to, you know, train them hands on because you can't explain how to give insulin. You really have to show them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a school nurse too. So That was last year. And then this year, when he was put into class, he was placed with teachers who the principal felt were like very medically aware and could handle not only a class of 15, four and five year olds, but also someone with a medical need. Mm. Um, And she was spot on with the teachers she gave us. And we feel very lucky. I 
worry as he gets older that the teacher might not necessarily have as much time and ability to, you know, focus on his medical needs, but we'll handle that as we, you know, get there. But for now, um, you know, to have a team meeting at the beginning of the year and to be checking in when necessary, um, that has worked for us. And I'm very thankful. What a blessing to be supported. I can imagine that would be a, a extreme stressor for parents who, who didn't have that same kind of situation. It is based on like, you know, Facebook groups that I'm in and other moms of diabetics that I've spoken to. You know, I don't know what I would do. I I can't be in the school all day. And sure, there will be times when like I need to be there more often or if like one of his like his continuous glucose monitor might die and I might need to go in and change it in the middle of the day. And that's just, you know, things happen and that's fine. If I didn't have a team there that I could trust, we would have some major problems. And I know that families do have those problems and it's really, really difficult. We'll be back after a short break. Now back to Parenting with your host, Kelsey Higgins. Okay, Alyssa, I want to spend a minute talking about your daughter. Um, so we we talked about your son a lot and how he has superpowers and he's so <laughs> special. How how do you balance this with your daughter? I mean, you mentioned a girl's trip. That is so cool. How do you find ways to make her feel kind of special also? So she had a really hard year. She's only a year older than him. So mm-hmm. she's still very little also. Um, she's very mature and very helpful and lets things go if, you know, Ozzy needs something. Um, but I don't want to rob her childhood from her. Sure. Um, it's difficult, but even if I'm tired, you know, it's making those times to spend just with her, focusing just on her. And I'm not perfect at it by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, taking that girl's trip was one of like, we just went for two days, but it was like one of the best things I could have ever done for both her and me, just spending like stress-free time, not worrying about anything medical, just having fun together, all about her. You know, she really deserved it. You know, people tell me that, oh, it was such a hard year for me and it was such a hard year for Ozzy, but it was such a hard year for my daughter, Miri, also. Um, She just doesn't get as much recognition as she should. You know, because of the celiac thing, I also, you know, make an effort to take her out to like meals with gluten um that we <laughs> that we couldn't go to she like we both love food she is her mother's daughter but you know sometimes a girl needs her pancakes oh heck yeah and we don't go to that restaurant as a family anymore because there's nothing for Ozzy to eat there mm. um so on her birthday I pulled her out of school and I took her there for lunch little things like that just making sure that the other kid knows that they're important and they're really special and they're a great sibling also. I mean, all her friends know that her brother has diabetes and that was hard at first. They 
you know, last year they were both in preschool. She's in kindergarten this year. Their classrooms were right across the hall from each other. And she was very concerned about her brother all day. And the teachers eventually, you know, had to put their foot down and separate them more um, because she sort of went into this like mommy, like anxiety mode almost. Oh, what a little honey. I know. It's so sweet. And then at the same time, as a parent, you know, it's just continually talking to her and telling her, you know, you are so sweet for helping, but this is mommy's job and it's not your job and you don't have to worry about him because we've got it under control. And this year being on different floors of the school is much better. It's been a wild ride for everybody, I would say. My takeaway from that, and I I like that you said that, is just roles, right? Clarifying roles and responsibilities, but reassuring her that you have it under control. Um, Yeah, that definitely helped. What is your best piece of advice for a parent who is new to this world of managing their child's type 1 diabetes? Like if you could just give your top piece of advice, what would it be? That is quite hard, like very hard. But I would say just know that it really does get easier. Um, I cannot tell you how overwhelming it is at first. Um, I think I blacked it out, honestly. Um, like I really think it's sort of like you block out childbirth. I think like I blacked out, um, the first little while while he was diagnosed. I mean, I was sleeping in his bed with him because I was scared that something was going to happen in the middle of the night. Mm. Um, It's really hard. And as soon as you are able to get, you know, those devices, um, it really is so much easier. And it just really does. It doesn't feel like it will, but it really becomes a normal part of your life. And you're very functioning. It is very, very possible to live a full, happy, and healthy life with diabetes. And hopefully there will be a cure, but it's important to remember that, you know, not all hope is lost for you or for your child Mm. because we're thriving and you can too. So I love that. Some light at the end of the tunnel for folks who are in the thick of it. On the flip side of that, listeners who aren't personally impacted, but perhaps they have some newly diagnosed, not immediate family members, or maybe some friends, what kind of advice would you give them? How can they be supportive? What should they be saying and not saying to those friends and family members kind of entering into this new realm? You know, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, I actually have a blog posts on both of these questions that you just asked me. Awesome. Um, and I will never forget, I went live a couple of weeks after Ozzy was diagnosed to sort of share with my followers what had been going on. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget these people, you know, coming in the comments and saying things like, my grandmother lost her toe from diabetes. Yeah. Oh, jeez. 
not even, I can't make this stuff up or like, oh, my grandfather just died from diabetes. And you're like, Um, helpful. Thank you. I'm like, I just don't understand what the purpose of your comment is. I need to hear your voice. Don't say things like that. Um, Obviously, every mother and parent knows the very worst thing that could happen to their child when they're diagnosed with a chronic illness. And it is the last thing they need to be reminded of because we're doing everything we can to keep our child alive and healthy. Mm. Um, So please don't tell me that your grandma's toe fell off. (laughs) I'm really trying to not do that to my kid. So, um, you know, it's those worst case scenarios. And it's also at the same time, the people that are saying, well, at least it's not, you know, insert serious illness or other seemingly more serious condition here. Um, Thank goodness it's just diabetes. Like that's totally manageable, right? Uh Well, yeah. And at the same time you're saying that you're undermining truly how difficult it is to care with to care for a child with diabetes. Absolutely. Um, and I don't compare, I don't like to compare, you know, illnesses because everybody has their own struggles and you know, I wouldn't trade Ozzy's illness for another illness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we have what we're meant to have. But like I mentioned before, Diabetes, I think, sometimes can be super underrated, um, especially in a child, because as they grow, as they go into puberty, as they get sick, um, you know, with their act, with their daily activity, it really is um, different every day. It's not the same medical regimen. Um, things are always changing. You have to be on your toes and on the fly, and. Um, I think that's one thing that people really just don't realize about diabetes is that it's really, really hard to manage. Mm. Um, Doable, but, you know, I was even talking to Ozzy's teacher about it and we were both just saying, you know, well, wasn't like that yesterday. (laughs) Um, And like he ate the exact same thing. So I think realizing that and then speaking with, care and sensitivity can go a really long way. Sure. It seems like common sense, but it's it's helpful to have those reminders sometimes about how, how to not talk about your grandma's lost toe. So Yeah. I think people get super uncomfortable around someone who's going through something and either, you know, I like to give, give people benefit of the doubt and say that they just lost their common sense. But I think, unfortunately, in today's day and age, some people don't have it. Um, (laughs) So let me be the one to help you. Um. (laughs) Were there any physical acts of support that you found really beneficial, especially in the early stages? I mean, is this this a scenario where friends say, hey, let me drop you off a coffee or, hey, I made dinner? Or is that kind of a a weird response. No, absolutely. People did that for us for like a month after we came home from the hospital. Having my daughter for playdates, bringing her home from school when my son wasn't there. All of those kinds of things that are sort of go-tos. 
you know, when someone's in the hospital, our total go-tos here too. Really helpful. Alyssa, I learned a lot. I think that was a really insightful conversation. Is there anything I didn't ask that you wanted to talk about? That's a great question. I don't think so. You know, there are a lot of great Facebook groups out there where you can find other parents who have kids with diabetes, and I highly, highly recommend them. Okay, I must ask, is this one of those situations where you need to sift through the crud a bit to find a good one? Because in general, I know Facebook groups can be a weird place. Yeah, but also look at like the number of people in the group. I think there's a group called like Moms of Type 1 Diabetics and it's got like 10,000 members Um, and it's a great group. There's also like Disney and Type 1 Diabetic groups too um, because there are like different ways to do Disney and with diabetes. Oh, yeah. Gosh, things you wouldn't even think of. Yeah, so you're eligible for um, the DAS pass. I don't know what that A stands for. It's like disability and services <laughs> pass. Um, that sort of like gets you um, – you can like put yourself in a virtual line for rides. Um, that is a hot tip. There are a lot of things you can you can do that at most amusement parks – you get free entrance to national parks. There are a lot of like what? diabetes perks that you get and I'm going to take them all. <laughs> <laughs> Heck um, yeah, you earned them. <laughs> listen, if you're going to have diabetes, you might as well take the perks. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's that. But you can do a lot of research on that kind of stuff online. I've tried to make my blog a place where parents can go. I have a whole type 1 diabetes section, um, you know, traveling with type 1 diabetes, how best to like manage the airport and TSA and what you can bring and what you should expect, all sorts of things like that. But there are tons and tons of resources and just people should use them. Awesome. Alyssa, where's the easiest place to find you? Your your website, your Instagram, where, where can listeners find you? So definitely on Instagram, at Alyssa Goldwater um, is where I'm most active. And then I've got great information and great, I mean, I think they're great. Who <laughs> um, myself. Blog posts on my website, which is aglassofgoldwater.com. And I do dabble in TikTok, but um, I can't log into it right now. So just uh, take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> Technical difficulties or what? Yeah, maybe by the time this comes out, I'll figure my life out. But Okay, I and I, I have to comment the play on words of a glass of gold water is hilarious. Was that Thank you or some other marketing genius? No, that was me and a friend brainstorming um, a, a long time ago. And would you believe that I was actually on a television segment one time and they said a glass of cold water. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on. Um, yeah. So, and then people also ask me what my last name is. And I'm like, it's Goldwater. Like, <laughs> they also ask me how to spell it, which also questions my faith in humanity. But, you know, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. 
thank you for appreciating it. I really, that means a lot. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Alyssa. You've been a wonderful guest. And I just know that this episode is going to resonate with a lot of listeners. So I appreciate your time. I hope so. Thank you so much for having me, really. My pleasure. And to all the listeners, thank you for joining. I invite you to tune in again next week for another insightful conversation. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time.